We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It is my pleasure to welcome in CBS Sports Golf Analyst, the one and only Frank Nabilo. Welcome to Talking Golf, Frank. Oh, thanks, Dan. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. I hope it's beautiful where you are. And uh, I have to tell you, another great golf season, not only for golf, but for CBS Sports. Yeah, I think we were very happy from top to top to bottom. Um, the changes that were made a few years ago, you know, Seller Shy um, and Steve Milton, they do such a great job. All the technological changes with drones, uh, audio, walk and talks, you name it, always trying to push the bar going forward. And also, you know, a nice blend of youthful voices and Colt and Amanda um, across, you know, Dottie. Uh, I, th- I think it's a great blend. We've had a lot of fun on the road. CBS is longest season, but, you know, we, we felt like uh, we, we did the, the audience proud. Yeah, it's always a good watch and a good listen. And I read, actually, that the coverage of uh, the Sunday's final round of the Tour Championship on CBS Sports was the most watched in, what, the last five years of the tournament. It doesn't hurt when you have Victor Hovland firing, a, what, a, a 63 to hold off Xander. But uh, that was quite a finish. Yeah, to finish a year off, a uh, season, should I say, not a year, to finish a season off with with the way in which Xander and Victor played, because you think with everything that was on the line, and, and I know that you know the, the format still confuses some people because you're trying to really do two things in once. You're trying to reward a season, give a little bit of an advantage, and at the, at the same token, you're still trying to reward that Sunday. So so it's very very hard to get something that works. I still think it can be tweaked, but. To come down to that level of golf on a Sunday with everything on the line, uh, I thought that was great. You know, hats off to both. You know, they both finished 19 under respectively for the week on their own ball. Um, so that level of golf to finish off, I, I think, is one of the highlights of the season. And for Hovland to win, you know, two weeks in a row, just tremendous. He's only 25. I mean, that, that kid has so much talent. It's, he's fun to watch. Just so good. Yeah, he's a he's a world former. Well, he's going to be a world number one. Um, he has he just has the pedigree. We've we've been lucky over the last decade to have so many world class amateurs, whether they be from America or, or around the world, and turn into great professionals. That doesn't always happen. And Victor has has improved his liability, which was his chipping. You know, everybody sort of has an Achilles heel. Um, his work with Joseph Mayo uh, is his ability to to really not take a backward step in this game. I. I've found one of the most impressive things. And his performance in the majors as well. It's not like he plays well in certain events and not in others. Across the board, his game travels well. Um, yeah, he's just world-class already. He's so much fun to watch. And, and, you know, talk about a tremendous golf season. Let's start with the men. You had John Rahm just putting on a, a ball-striking clinic to win the Masters. And then he went, goes on and wins, you know, he wins four overall. Uh, Scotty Scheffler winning the Phoenix Open and the Players' Championship. you got Brooks Kepka putting on, you know, the Brooks Kepka show, winning the PJ Championship with his incredible iron play. Wyndham Clark, what, what a nice surprise that 
at the U.S. Open, Wyndham winning, and then Brian Harmon, you know, just putting like a, a machine. So talk about what was, you know, some of your favorite moments with the guys this season. Uh, I'm going to actually start with Canada, uh, believe it or oh, not. Yeah. Because you know, sure. for the first time, Canada had four different winners. Um, so they had a banner year, and, and finally they got rid of the Pat Fletcher curse with Nick Taylor making that 72-foot part um, across the 18th green. Um, obviously, Adam Hadwin got tackled in the life. But, but you know, <laughs> coming from a, a Commonwealth country, I've always identified with the guys that are north of the border. So, so to me, just seeing that sort of fervor, um, the desperation for the local fans to see it done and then finally happen, that was great. But, you know, going back to the, the five biggest tournaments, um, it's just we had a, a season, I think, that kept getting punctuation marks during the course of the year. The Ram Kepka Masters, I think, was the perfect tonic for the start of the year. Scotty winning the players. And it looked like it was going to be the year of Scotty Scheffler. And sadly, there's more questions at the end of the year when you're that good. And people go, well, what if he putted just a little bit better? So it's terrible when we when we grade a player like that, like what if, as opposed to, hey, look at the, the level they sustained week in, week out. Kepka's won at the PGA Championship from a technical point of view. I thought the course set up beautifully for this generation of players and coming out of the wire between he and Victor. Um, Corey Connors was, was right in there in the, until he hit that lip of the bunker on 16. And you've already mentioned Wyndham. Um, I thought LA Country Club with its changes held up. And then Brian Harmon, it was more than just punting. He drove the ball beautifully. The amount of times he had to go in with two or three or four clubs longer than some of the guys he was playing with. So the beauty of those five biggest tournaments, they're all going to be there for the Ryder Cup. So there's still more to be done in the season. Um, And and obviously there's question marks with the Ryder Cup. But, you know, I think golf, we should never answer all the questions during the course of the year. We should sort of create some new ones for 2024. And I think that's going to happen. Well, before we get into the Ryder Cup, who do you think is going to be player of the year? Um, (laughs) I'm on the record sort of going John Rahm. Victories count. Um, I, I think... As I said, Scotty is going to have a question mark, the year that could have been. I think with John, we just say John had four wins and one of them is the Masters. It's quite simple. And with Scotty, it's almost like a negative mark, like it could, it should have been so much better. Players' championship counts for a lot, two wins, but two against four, you know, I, I think the four wins have to be the tiebreaker. And, of course, the women with Lilia Vu winning two majors, uh, Celine Boutier winning the Evian Championship in her home country. That was special. Uh, Allison Corpus winning at Pebble Beach, the U.S. Open, you know, lots. And then, oh, gosh, how can you forget Rose Zhang, right? Capturing her very first professional tournament, right? A uh, lot of great women's moments as well, right, Frank? Yeah, Rose, I think, was the outstanding one because, once again, you know, we, we, I'm watching a little bit of tennis because uh, the U.S. Open's on, and, and obviously a lot of the focus is on Coco Golf. Um, so we, we we always focus on these young stars coming through, and sometimes they they take a few years to come good. And with Rose, no, the, once again, the transition was so seamless. And, and it shows you that the work that they've done prior to turning professional was the right type of work. And another star in the future, and the game's healthy, despite uh, the last time we, we chatted about Liv and other things around. I know our, our game splintered in, in many different forms, but... If, if we look at the positive point of view, um, with the exception of the equipment manufacturers running the game, 
Um, you know, I think if we can slowly tweak the ball and all that, you know, the game's in a good place because we're starting to get some people out playing more golf. I mean, we were benefited from the COVID years because of that. People realize it still is a great game. They can play with their family. They can compete. They can, you, know, you can play golf a lot of different ways, nine holes, 18, you name it. So uh, we're in a good place. We definitely are in a good place, and she is, Rose Zhang, she's just so impressive to watch, so mature for her age, so composed. All right, the U.S. Ryder Cup captain's picks. Obviously, a lot of criticism based on uh, picking Justin Thomas, who had a, a poor season. What are your thoughts about that, Frank? Um, a lot of our CBS guys, you know, we, we and women, we talked about it over the last month or so, and to be honest, um, that's pretty much the team we came with, came up with amongst ourselves. If you, if you look at from the from the point of view of the people left out, then obviously you could look at Cameron Young and say he was short served, and obviously Keegan as well. Uh, Lucas, uh, I know he played really good towards the end of the year, but his ranking, Ryder Cup ranking, was beyond um, Justin Thomas. And then the other thing, you, you know, you have an experienced captain in Zach Johnson, you have five assistant captains. They they do actually know what they're doing. And when they when they went to six and six, I think if you look at the top six, which are Scotty Scheffler, Wyndham Clark, Brian Harmon, Canley, Homer, Shoffley, you've got to now pick six guys that are going to complement those guys because they're, they're searched, they're the team. And I think that's where the issue comes in. I, I mentioned Scotty Scheffler being weak on the greens. Ideally, you would want your number one player to play at least four matches. So he has to be paired with someone. And there's 16 teams points available in 12 individuals. That's something the Europeans have always done better than the Americans have. They've picked relative to the team event prior to the singles. And I think sometimes America has tried to go top 1 to 12, and they've looked stronger on paper in the singles. But remember, you're only sending out eight players at a time. So you need four strong teams. And I think that's where the problem came for Zach Johnson and his vice captains. So, Scotty, who do you pair with? When you go down, it's logical in the end that you pair him with Sam Burns. Scotty only registered half a point in the last President's Cup. I know he's new to that sort of format. But I think that was one of the other anomalies. And the other one, believe it or not, I'm going to say is Jordan Spieth, believe it or not. I know Jordan, you would say it's crazy if he isn't picked. But Jordan, in my opinion, is a modern-day biosterist. He's brilliant, mercurial, um, but he's hard to play with because he can hit it in the bush, he can hold it out of a bunker, he can do all of those things. And the, one of the greatest pairings ever for Europe was Oli and Sebi because it didn't really matter how the other one played. There's a famous Ryder Cup match where Sebi didn't want to play in the afternoon. He, he was hitting the ball all over the place. And it took Tony, Tony Jacklin about half an hour on the range saying, Sebi, we need you, just hit it, that's fine. And they played against, I think it was Tom Kite and Payne Stewart, and they hit it all over the ballpark, and they beat them. So, you know, you, you've, you've got this sort of intangible. And the only person, really, that does pair with Spieth, especially the way he's been playing in 2023, I believe is Justin Thomas. And, you know, Pixar for great players. They really are. Pixar, not the next guy. Otherwise, they would just say the top 12. Right. And Thomas is going to go on the Hall of Fame. So I believe that Justin Thomas picked wasn't as controversial as what a lot of people have made it because they're looking at form and they're looking at what he's done. I mean, he, he has the potential to play 14 matches. And just a year ago, they basically had one loss between the two of them, between Spieth, who went 5-0, and and Thomas went 4-1. and I think that has to carry some sort of cachet. So as you start going down there, then, it, then it's a little more logical where you get to. And Cameron Young probably should feel harder done by than Keegan. 
But, you know, somebody is going to lose out on that. You know, you, you, you've got to pick a team from the top down, not the bottom up. And, um, you know, I go back, they haven't won on foreign soil for 30 years. If you go back to 1993, they picked an aging Ray Floyd who was 51 years of age, who was well outside of the top 20 in points. And the, and the 12th guy was Lanny Watkins, who wasn't even in the top 30. That team went on to win on foreign soil. So that's what Europe's done with the Ian Poulters of the world and that, and it's been very successful. America's trying to do the same this year. Yeah, interesting. So it's really more about the chemistry and that friendship. Um, and Well, no, 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 no. I, I, I'm going to stop you there. I, I know, okay. I've read it the same things as you. It's friendship. No, no, no. It's about pairing people up. Right. The chemistry and of the can, pairs. Yeah. Yeah, everything I've read is about it's a boys' club and all that. No, now if that was the case, they wouldn't be putting their careers on the line. If they lose, Zach gets it, and he knows that. So I don't think he's just going to pick twelve friendly guys and risk losing. Okay, great points, very good points. Uh, Justin Thomas, honestly, it, there's a lot of pressure, as you know, at a Ryder Cup situation. But you know, all eyes are going to be on him. Do you think he's going to handle the heat? I mean, he's going into this. Ryder Cup, knowing he's a controversial pick, he had a poor season, he's under the gun more than ever. What are your thoughts about can he handle all of that? I, I think it's a defining moment. Um, it's not the end of his career. He's going to go on the Hall of Fame. It reminds me of 2011 and the President's Cup, which was a Harding part, and a player that was out of form was picked. I mean, the captain was Greg Norman. I was the vice captain. And we didn't hesitate when we both agreed with Adam Scott. Now, Adam had a terrible year, and I remember talking to Adam for about an hour in the hallway one night because he felt the pressure. And, you know, Adam was just a fraction older then than what Justin is now. And I remember the talk was about, your career's not over. You've had a bad year. I mean, they added up at the end of your career, not this period in time. And did Adam have the best President's Cup? No, he didn't. But two years later, he was a Masters champion and world number one. So picks are for special people. So I think what Zach, um, Jim Furyk, Fred Couples, Steve Stricker, I'm going to leave a few out probably, Stuart Sink and Davis, I think what they're, they're also picking for the future because they're putting Justin Thomas square in the middle of the headlight. And, and I'm sure that Thomas has spoken openly about wanting to play the Ryder Cup, as has Keegan. And I think that's what I mean. The last couple of picks would have changed when Brian Harmon automatically got in and Shoffley made it. Um, that affects the tail, obviously. But, but I think it's like this is a blip on the radar. That's what everybody's hoping for. But, yeah, he will feel it. When he stands there, he's going to feel the pressure. But he's, he's proven over his career that often when, when, the, when the heat's really on, he has delivered. But he has to get the – from a technical point of view – in my opinion, he's been hitting way too many draws over the last 12 months. He has to get back to that fairway finder, that cut that he could hit with his eyes closed. And then I think, as Peter Thompson once told me, you always start to putt better when you putt for birdie. And that means when, when you just give yourself more opportunities, he's hit more bad shots in 2023 because he's tried to hit the ball right to left far too often in my books. I think that would be the first thing that I'd be trying to get him to change between now and the Ryder Cup. I love that. I hope uh, he's listening to your advice. Uh, last question, Frank, because we're running out of time here. Do you think the PGA Tour partnership with the Saudis, with that public investment fund, do you think it's going to go through? Uh, I wish I knew the answer to that. And I mean, I had a lot of different things. Personally, I don't think they have handled it very well. Um, yeah, and I, I, I'm obviously not in a minority on that. 
And because it's been handled poorly, I guess, over the last 12 to 18 months, that doesn't give me a lot of hope um, that it's going to go through smoothly. But I think that's also why Brooks Kepka was a no-brainer because you know, n- not only did Brooks deserve that pick, um, this is a, you know, the, the four major championships said we're going to um, allow the live players to play. The Ryder Cup is obviously run by the PGA of America from the US point of view. That shouldn't have been a hesitation. And obviously... Zach Johnson would have, I know he didn't say it publicly, I'm sure he would have considered Dustin Johnson as well. But that does go a long way to at least allowing the two sides to talk because I think if they'd um, stuck their head in the sand and try to go, hey, this is the tour playing Europe as opposed to America, then then I think the chances of a deal would have um, would have dropped dramatic, dramatically as well. So to me, Kepka was always going to be in on two on two fronts. One, because of who he is and how great a player he is. And secondly, because of a potential deal on the end that would benefit golf, not just the PGA Tour. Well said, as usual, Frank Nabilo. I love your insight. Thanks so much for joining us here on Talking Golf. Well, catch you later. All right. Have a great rest of the season and uh, hope to visit with you again soon. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.